Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. My dear fellow saints, have you noticed things have been a little different the last few months and years? Gas prices are going up, food prices are increasing, store shelves are empty, while shipping containers are full, but they're still stuck on the ports. And that's because we're short like 800 or 80,000 truck drivers to ship everything. Unemployment is extremely high, but at the same time, small businesses can't find enough employees to work for them. Inflation is on the rise. Hundreds of thousands of non-citizens are streaming across our southern border. School board meetings are erupting in dissension because there is frustration from the parents with the school board members. Masks, mandates, vaccines are dividing our already divisive nation. Race relations feel like they've stepped back several decades. Frontline workers that were hailed as heroes just a year ago are now being fired in droves. And on top of all that, two weeks ago we saw that Jordan Love had to start for the Packers. You have to wonder, who's in control? That must have been what Daniel was thinking one night as he had a nightmare. Think about those days when your kids were little and then they woke up and they crawled into bed with you because they had a nightmare of a monster under their bed. Well, Daniel has a nightmare, but not of one or two monsters, but four of them. And they're not under his bed, but they're coming up from under the sea. He sees a beast that looks like a lion and then a second beast that looks like a bear that's gnawing on three ribs. Then the third beast is a leopard, but it has four wings like a bird on its back. The fourth beast is a ferocious beast with iron teeth and ten horns. Later, an angel explained to Daniel that these four beasts are four successive empires that would oppress God's people of Israel. That the lion represents the Babylonian empire. The bear represents the Medo-Persian empire. The lightning-fast leopard with the four wings represents Alexander the Great and the Greek empire. And then the ferocious beast with the iron teeth and the ten horns symbolizes the mighty Roman empire. And as Daniel saw these beasts, he was probably wondering, who's in control? And then he receives another portion of the vision. I kept watching the night visions, and there in the clouds of heaven, I saw one like a son of man coming. He came to the ancient of days, and he was brought before him. To him was given dominion, honor, and a kingdom. All peoples, nations, and languages will worship him. His dominion is an eternal dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Daniel sees one who looks like the Son of Man. Well, this is obviously Jesus Christ. 
that Jesus refers to himself over 70 times in the Gospels as the Son of Man. He is emphasizing that while he is God's Son, he is also Mary's Son. That in his incarnation, the Son of God took on the flesh of a Son of Man so that he could be laid in the manger. And then 33 years later, laid on the cross and then laid in the tomb so that on his third day resurrection and after his 40th day ascension, the Son of Man is now at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty in heaven. And the Ancient of Days is the Father. He is ancient because he always has been and he always will be. While beasts come and go, while empires rise and fall, the Ancient of Days remains seated on his throne through it all. And the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man used all of these beastly empires for the good of his chosen people. Since the nation of Israel had chosen to refuse to worship the Ancient of Days, then God punished them. He disciplined them by having the mighty Babylonian Empire take them into captivity. But he promised that would only happen for 70 years that they would be displaced. And then God raised up King Cyrus and the Persian Empire to defeat the Babylonians and then use them to return the nation of Israel back to the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then God raised up Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire so that everyone then had to speak Greek. They spoke their native language as well as the Greek language so that when the Holy Spirit gave his New Testament to the evangelists and the apostles, it was in the Greek language. So now everyone could hear it, read it, and understand it. Then the Roman Empire came, and they kept the Greek language, but they added to it the Roman peace and roads, so that when Christians traveled from one place to another, they could take the gospel with them wherever they went. God used the Roman Empire to move his holy family to Bethlehem. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, and everyone went to register, each to his own town. And this fulfilled the prophecy that God gave to his prophet Micah. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you were small among the clans of Judah from you, will go out the one who will be ruler for me for Israel. God also used the Jewish religious leaders along with the Roman governor Pontius Pilate to put the Son of Man to death on the cross. This fulfilled the words that Jesus had spoken to his disciples. Look, we're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and experts in the law and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles to, mog, to, to mock, flog, and crucify him. And this demonstrates that God is in control. And that's a good thing, because if you think that things are bad now, Jesus promises that if these end times continue, they're going to get even worse. Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 24 that when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, 
when you hear of earthquakes and famines and persecution of Christians, that these are the signs that we are living in the end times. Brother will betray brother. Son will rise up against father. Daughter against mother. The love of most will grow cold. Christians will be dragged before kings and councils to give their testimony. In his revelation, Jesus Christ gives St. John a vision of these end times, and it's very similar to Daniel's vision. In Revelation chapter 13, Daniel sees a beast with seven heads and ten horns on those seven heads rise up out of the sea. This beast represents the government powers throughout the history of the world that opposes and oppresses the Christian church in the New Testament era. Then John sees the second beast rise up out of the sea, or out of the land. This is the apostate church that tries to imitate Christ. It is the antichrist and tries to take the place of Christ. It represents the all religious powers that oppressed Christ and his Christians in the church throughout the New Testament era. And these two beasts ally themselves with the red seven-headed dragon of the devil. Together, all these beasts and the dragon wage war against the saints to try to overcome them. The dragon and the beasts are working against God's saints on a global and national and local scale. You can see and feel them at work right now in our world. But you can also see and feel them at work right now in your own homes on a much smaller scale. That grandchild who is addicted to drugs and alcohol. The child who has broken the the marriage bonds and then moved in with someone else, moving out of the home with spouse and children and creating a new home with someone else, not the spouse. The couple who were so much in love, but now that love has grown cold and distant. The teenagers who are trapped in a world of social media and they have no concept of communication or physical contact with the real outside world. The tension of rising food and gas prices inside of a family budget. And what is our reaction when we see and feel all of this persecution going on around us? What is our reaction when we see and feel all of this tension going on within our homes? Because we're sinners, we will usually act negatively. We give up. We curl up in a fetal position just hoping it'll all go away. We don't fight by preaching the gospel. Instead, we turn up our Netflix and our sports shows maybe to drown out everything that we hear going on around us. Because we're upset, we stop talking to God in prayer because we're mad at God. We stop coming to church. And then because we are not hearing about God's grace and mercy in church, all we're left with is our own fear and anger that resides within us. And so then, eventually we just have to vomit up that anger and fear on whomever is unfortunate enough to be around us. 
So when you see these beasts and this dragon working in our nation, or you feel them working in your own home, you're going to want to cry out, who's in control? That's why this vision given to Daniel is so vital. Because we see that our God is in control. Daniel sees Jesus coming on the clouds of heaven. And here we can think of Jesus' own words before the Sanhedrin. You will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Though it would seem like the world is falling apart all around us, we live each day in eager anticipation of seeing Christ coming on the clouds in glory because on that last day, Christ will gather all of his saints home around his throne. We see this terrifying vision of the beast out of the sea and the beast out of the land allying themselves with a great red dragon in Revelation chapters 12 and 13. But when you read that, don't miss that key verse that goes between Revelation 12 and 13. The last verse of chapter 12 pictures Jesus as the Son of Man standing on the shore of the sea. John sees that Jesus, in the midst of it all, is in control. Again, Daniel saw the Ancient of Days give the authority to the Son of Man, saying, to him was given dominion, honor, and a kingdom. All peoples, nations, and languages will worship him. His dominion is an eternal dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Fellow saints, don't you love that God's kingdom is eternal, everlasting, forever. We're told, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures. For how long? Forever. Mercy is God's love and loyalty that never changes. And again, we're told your mercies are new. When are they new? Your mercies are new every morning. Life is full of changes and most of those changes are bad and not a lot of fun. But God's mercies are new every morning. These mercies never change and they are always good. The control of King Jesus and his kingdom is eternal. It will not pass away. Though other kingdoms rise and fall, his kingdom is eternal. And that means that the Son of Man along with the Ancient of Days can fulfill the promise given through St. Paul in Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love him. God worked the terrifying four beasts of Daniel's vision to bring about his messianic mission. And that means that God will also work the terrifying beasts of the land and the sea in St. John's vision to fulfill the salvation of God's saints. So, when you wake up in the middle of the night with a nightmare that there's a monster under your bed, when you see the beast and the dragon of John's vision tempting and tormenting God's saints right now, when you feel despair and depression in your home, don't give up. Don't curl up. Don't cry out who's in control. Instead, stand up. Look up. See the Son of Man is sitting on his throne at the right 
side of the Ancient of Days, call out with confidence, God is in control. For you do not know what the future holds, but you do know who holds the future in his hands. Amen.